Hello, everyone, and welcome to Around the Traps, a collaboration between Talking League and Supercoach Whisperer. My name's Jason Robson. I'll be your host across the 2023 NRL preseason, and hopefully you'll join us every Saturday. For those who haven't listened to Around the Traps before, it's a relatively simple concept where we go through the key talking points from the week that was in the NRL preseason and discuss how they may impact your initial team selections in your fantasy teams. Plenty to talk about this week, but before we do, let's introduce the crew. From the Talking League side of the equation, we've got the head on to himself, TK. Mate, how are Hello, Robbo. Good to see you, man. Looking forward to chatting a bit of footy. I love this Saturday shows because literally it's all the news of the week and we get to break it down. Let's do it. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. And unfortunately, folks, uh, Josh from Supercoach Whisper won't be able to join us this week, but have no fear. He'll be back in the fold for next week and we're both looking forward to that. So... Five main stories that we're going to go through this week. And TK, let's start in the Hunter. Uh, what's the go with the Knights spine this week? Well, a bit of news. Well, the first thing is, is the big one is that Clayton Pong is already injured, which probably doesn't surprise us that much. Newcastle Herald reporting a calf injury there. We also had a really good interview from their coach, Adam O'Brien, as well. So he was talking a little bit about who was sharing the reps at fullback and the three main candidates there are Bailey Hodgson, Tyson Gamble, which was a bit of a surprise, and Dane Gagai. But a bit of chat and also on the Saifedi brothers there, Robbo, which pretty exciting because I know a lot of people are pretty high on Daniel Saifedi, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Daniel Saifedi really drew himself to attention a couple of years ago and there is certainly scope for him to improve. The only thing that we are concerned about at this stage is we've only seen one really good season from him. Yeah, I guess the yeah, it's one of those things that he is at a cheap price, but you probably three date rule him. Probably the elephant in the room right now is what either of us are going to do with Caitlin Ponga here, mate. Because yeah, originally I, I actually got rid of Walshie during the week and put Ponga back in because I just thought maybe his versatility would be an added bonus. But just the biggest thing for me was his durability and being able to stay away from injury. And I know that he's had a pretty good preseason, but to be injured. This early, before the season even starts, I was only intending to have him for maybe six or seven weeks anyway, so I'm scrubbing around a line through Callum Ponga. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I 100% agree, and we're talking about the calf era as well, and I remember a few years ago, Mitchell Moses having issues with his calf, and with Ponga, we probably want to see a little bit of upside coming from some in-play kicking and potentially trying to you know, battle Jackson Hastings for the goal kicking, but if he's got a calf injury, there's absolutely no chance he's going to be doing that, and Pretty much, I think you need to put a line for him, particularly from the start. Look, if he you know, fires up, um, you can maybe have a look at him, but I think it's too risky to uh, go for him from round one. Yeah, especially with an origin player, you just because eventually you're going to be trading him out anyway. So it's just going to save you a couple of trades at this stage. I think the smart money is just to avoid. Yeah, 100%. And uh, look elsewhere in the wing of fullbacks. So what we're going to do, speaking of Queensland, we're going to head up to southeast Queensland and in particular look at the Gold Coast Titans. And TK, this week... Uh, Tino's had a fair bit to say in terms of uh, how much he loves playing on the field. Yeah, man. Like, he's very fired up, especially for someone that's coming back from the World Cup. He's looking very, very fresh, very, very fit. So it's good to see. I know a lot of people are very high on him. I'm pretty high on him as well. The only reason why I probably won't take him ahead of someone like a Pat Carrigan or my boy Ruben Cotter is the fact that both of those other two are actually cheaper and they actually play an extra game. And I do actually expect Tino to actually average somewhere between 55 and 60. It's just that extra game, the fact that they're all origin players. And my strategy is I was only going to hold any of them into the origin break anyway. So if I expect them all to average the same, I may as well just not go Tino and go the other two. But really exciting, and I think he'll re- really lead the way. But a bit of a, a bit of breaking news just, just happened, Robbo. Yes, yeah, spot on. So earlier this morning, Travis Main and Peter Bedell of the Courier Mail dropped an exclusive in relation to the Titan spine for this year. So for anyone who hasn't read the article, essentially 
Tanner Boyd has won the halfback spot. He'll be on the right edge with his old Kiber Park teammate in David Fafita. So I imagine some people will probably look to maybe even double up with that combo, TK. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm really glad that the, the coach, Justin Holbrook, actually went down this route because as good as a player as Kieran Forum is and experienced, he's not a halfback, right? So I think that was only going to add pressure to AJ Brimson. I think AJ Brimson is a fullback, not an actual 5'8", and I think it does give them a, the ability maybe to shop Jaden Campbell and get something else they need. They don't need two quality fullbacks, really. So, unfortunately, Jaden Campbell is just going to be the odd man out because, you know, Brimson is the marquee player, right? But I expect them... I like this. Tannerboy had a great end of last season. His last five games was scintillating. He'll be on my radar now. He's a dual-position guy. The only thing, and it's very similar to Tino, their last three games, they played absolute Nevilles who given, had given up on the season. So you just could be very conscious. Probably take maybe five to ten points off those scores, and I think you'll get a realistic kind of basis to actually go from. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially with Boyd, we saw last year when he started in the halves, he averaged a tick over forty, and he's priced in at around thirty. So there potentially is ten points of value. But as you said, if teams have mailed it in at the back end of the season, you do need to be careful about using that in a projection sense as well. Relatively small sample size. I believe it was only six or seven games there uh, in the halves, and a few of those. It's probably worth noting he played at five-eighths and had no kicking metres. So yeah. I would imagine in a setup where it's foreign and Boyd in the halves, you'd think that Boyd's probably going to get 300, 350 kick metres. And that is where potentially we could see some value in NRL fantasy this year. Yeah, he's got that dual position too there, Robbo. But yeah, I like that. And I think that's probably going to get the best out of Fafita too, right? Like they're schoolmates playing on the same edge. It was really good. This, this article has probably been one of the best that I've seen. And I'm really happy. Like a lot of coaches hide information. We're going to find out eventually... I'm just glad that they've settled on there and they can work as a, a unit that spine and really settle in. And the Titans could have a really good season. I really like that spine better than the other ones that I've seen. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've seen with the younger halfbacks that have come in subsequent to Jamal Fogarty, they've really struggled because mm. they are in the team one week, they're out the next, they don't know who the six is going to be, they don't know who the one's going to be. So I, I think the Titans can have a bit of optimism coming into this year and I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about Tanner Boyd with that dual position. So... We're going to move it on, though. Keep it in southeast Queensland, and we're heading up to a Redcliffe. Well, they're not called Redcliffe, but we'll call them Redcliffe on this show. And we're talking about the Dolphins, and it's looking a bit scary for my love interest here, TK, with Hamaso Tabuifoto having some competition now with a new signing at the Dolphins. Yeah, Tessie New, who's a very, very good player, had a good end of last season when he was filling in at fullback. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where they fit. I think with a team like the Titans, uh, not the Titans, the Dolphins, they need to find their best 17 players and play them every week. And I think to do that, it's probably going to mean that Tessie New will play fullback and Hamaso either on in the centres or wing. Because we've seen the quality that Hamo, Hammer brings. He's played so well. He, that one game that he played for Queensland absolutely brained us in, in the centres there. While Tessie New, he's the reverse. Didn't go very well at centre, but he's a very capable fullback. So kind of in terms of the team fit and fitting all your quality players, because you need both of them in there every week, probably makes more sense to have Tessie at fullback, Hammer it at centre. At centre, I'm still pretty keen on him, given his dual status. If he ends up on the wing, then for me it's no, because you need your wingers to be scoring tries, and I don't expect the Dolphins to be scoring many tries. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty fair, especially when you look at the Roosters as their first opponent in round one. And, you know, looking at his average for Tabu Afedo, we don't have a massive sample size in both positions, but he's averaged 32 at centre and basically the same at fullback. So I don't think there's a tangible difference between the two. And I feel like at centre, 
particularly if he's on that left edge, there'll be occasions where you know the defensive line's fallen short, and you know there's half the field for him to run into, and there could be some nice long range tries in there, which uh, he might need uh, in, in what should be a struggling side in yeah. 2023. Robert, I think with centre, it's very similar with Joey Manu. You can get a bit of license to roam. You can you can do you can use your speed. I think on the wing, like a winger, you need to have really strong carries, and then you're kind of parked on there. I think Hammer would be very strong at centre where you can just give him licence to remove. And hit, and guys like Milford and O'Sullivan are really going to need that because they're going to need some points from somewhere. And the most likely candidate is probably going to come from Hammer. Tessie doesn't have like a huge ball-playing ability, but I love his support play, and he does have a tough carry. So I think it just really makes sense for them to focus on him at one and then Hammer at four. I know a lot of people said that Hammer went to the Dolphins for a promise. Look... He's not Cameron Smith. The only players that get promises are those elite-level players like Cameron Smith. If you're not Cameron Smith, you don't get no promises. Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, you know, obviously there was probably an improved financial offer on the table to move south to the Dolphins. But I think it was just actually getting in the team. You know, The Cowboys were fantastic last year, and he just wasn't in the team because the guys in the back were playing fantastically well, and that's no slight on him. So, yeah, something to keep an eye out. Uh, I, I think Tapio Fido will be interesting either way, and I'm not just saying that because he's my love interest, but... Uh, I'll leave that to the viewer to decide. Heading towards the top of the table, we've spent too, too long at the bottom of the table. In terms of the Panthers, we've seen some of the rep stars back this week, TK. Yeah, Nathan Cleary's coming back. He spent a lot of time away. He was in Las Vegas with Ty Tuovasa. He went over to Bali with his family. So he came back. He's looking a little bit pudgy. But knowing Nathan Cleary, he's got enough time. He's a constant. He's, he's a great professional. I'm, I'm sure that he'll be ready for round one. I'm a little bit concerned about how late they're coming back, even though they did come back a week early. In terms of preparation, they're about eight weeks behind of most of the teams that didn't qualify for the finals this year. So I, I do expect the Panthers to probably be on the ropes early on in the season and then probably round four, round five really kick in. I still expect them to make the top four quite comfortably. I do expect a few upsets though. Wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos knock them off in that first game. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. And I think potentially what we might be seeing here is a similar approach to what Trent Robinson's taken with the Roosters over the past sort of five to six years where he goes, we're going to be in the mix at the end of the season. We might start off slow. And I think their record in the first game against South and every season has been pretty terrible of late. But what they do is they get to about round 16, 17. They click into gear. They get themselves in the top four. And they're a, you know, a fierce competitor in terms of that finals race. And you know, as you said there, TK, it's very unlikely that we wouldn't see the Panthers in the top four. But... Yeah, potentially you might need to hold off Cleary at the start and we'll go with potentially Nico Hines or Cameron Murray. <laughs> but, Robbo, it's one of those things. It's a 27-round season this year. It's a long season. You don't win premierships in round four. So I think the strategy you said about it's a great sort of pickup, and especially around the Roosters. The Roosters have done that the best over the last few years, and then Penrith have also kind of brought that in as well. And it is something I want to bring up when we have a bit of Parramatta news as well, but I'll let you bring that one up. <laughs> Yeah, mate, you're awesome at the segues here because we're sticking in the west of Sydney and we're looking in relation to some fantastic reporting by the Cumberland Throne in relation to the Eels and particularly the middle there, TK, especially a love interest of a certain Mr Andy Verdon. Yeah, Jermaine Hopgood apparently has been killing it in trading, but I think everyone's just got to chill for a bit and people putting like 50 to 60 point projection. I think that's unfair on him because he's only a relatively young player. The thing that really concerns me is that Penrith, the gutless dog beat him to a spot every week on the bench. And you can't really say versatility because Appy had the Appy's got the ability to play in the halves. So they carried Salmon for some reason over Hopgood, which for me doesn't make sense. So what's going on there? Especially with the other two mids, very good mids, Spencer Linu and then also Scotty Sorensen, who have great mids, right? But if Hopgood, some of the 
quotes that I'm getting is Hopgood's as good as Cameron Murray. <laughs> now, I'm going, oh, Cameron Murray for me is like the second best lock and probably a top five player in the NRL, right? So that's a huge wrap. So I don't know if maybe they're getting a little bit too far ahead of themselves. Hopgood will still be my round one team if he's starting there at lock because you'll get the duel. He's at a pretty good price mid-ranger. He's coming in with some great form. He averaged 60 over in the New South Wales Cup. I just think that everyone just needs to chill and let the guy play a little bit because these huge expectations will build this young player up and then maybe he won't hit them. I would love to just see him kill it and then really make a big career of it because he hasn't so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess something I'll probably look at in terms of why he didn't fit into that Panthers mix, and sometimes it just happens in terms of the middle mix, but you know, with this talk of him profiling as a Cameron Murray light, and we're sort of talking about you know his agility and the way that he ball plays, mm. could be just that they had Isaiah Yo, who basically rolls out the 80 every week as a co-captain at the Panthers, and they just went, well, we don't need a like-for-like like on the bench, and that's why Hopkins yeah. missed out, because whenever I've seen him play... Looks a fantastic player, and as you said, if he gets that dual position, uh, you know, starting at lock in week one, it's going to be very hard not to go him because I know a lot of the high quality fantasy coaches are going to slot him in somewhere. No, that's a great observation, especially on the Yoey part. And you know, looking at his PPM across what he has done in the NRL, like it's very, very impressive. Like he does rack up those numbers. Like I said, I just don't want to put too much pressure on the kid. He'll be in my team, given if he starts round one. I'll back it. It's one of those things that I think his probably ownership will be too high not to back it, and then a little bit of versatility from week to week as well. So, yeah, jump on, but it's one of those things. I think people comparing him to Cameron Murray is a little bit premature. Just a little bit, but you know what? It's good to be enthusiastic about young players, but we don't want to put them on too high a pedestal because, as we know, uh, they often get knocked down. Staying with Parramatta, though, there's uh, been a little bit of uh, insight in relation to that right edge that Isaiah Papali has vacated. CK, and who are the main candidates to fill that vacancy? Yeah, it looks like two, mate. Matt Dory and Bryce Cartwright. Look, we all know what Bryce Cartwright brings, right? He was probably the best 20s player of all time. His first two seasons in the NRL was super impressive, but he's, you know, he's, he hasn't really backed that up over the last five or six years. Matt Dory coming off an ACL injury, so same thing. And then we've got Ryan Madison in the wings. Like, they're going to have to split all these minutes, right? So you expect RCG and Paulo probably to average 50, 55 minutes. Jermaine Hopgood might do the same. And then you've got to find probably the most minutes for Ryan Madison. You've probably got to find him somewhere between 60 and 65 minutes. You'd think that'll probably be a switch, a split, sorry, between the middle and the edge. So Dory could start there because, like, Ryan Madison does like starting from the bench. He does wear that 13, then start from the bench. But you could get a nice 60 65 out of Dory. Maybe, you know, Maddo might play 40 in the middle, maybe 20 on the edge, something like that, some sort of mix like that. But he comes with good pedigree, really good player. He actually. You know, in terms of body shape, actually very similar to Isaiah Papali as well. And I think he will improve. Like, his numbers aren't great fantasy-wise, but he was playing in a very, very bad Bulldogs team. Gets to play next to Mitchell Moses, which is a great half to be feeding him. And I think the confidence of someone like Brad Arthur and the whole coaching staff there at Parramatta, I think they'll get the best out of him. I think maybe you could add maybe five to ten points on kind of what he did in the past. Yeah, and exactly in a base price. He's going to be someone that I believe will be quite popular if he's listed there in the 12 jersey come round one. Now, that's the main stories for this week. We're just going to go through a couple of the minor lines in terms of stories, just to you know, keep an eye on for, for the coming weeks. And the first one is actually about Isaiah Papali, speaker of the man. Bit of insight from Wisp this week that uh, Papali has been training on the left in the opposed sessions, which I think will be very interesting because that means he'll be paired up with Luke Brooks instead of our favourite Adam Dwayne. So, one to monitor. That might change with Bateman now officially in training, but just something to keep an eye on. In terms of the Broncos, uh, Ted Croker from Channel 10 has reported that uh, Pat Carrigan, Tony Staggs and Adam Reynolds were not training with the main group this week. Now, the reason for that is with Staggs and Carrigan, that post 
season surgery in the off-season, so they're just taking it easy, and Adam Reynolds had a mouth infection. So no long-term concerns there, but again, just something to keep an eye on as we go through the weeks uh, towards round one. NRL physio with a little summary on James Tedesco. So he's been dealing with an injury to the fourth and fifth fingers on his right hand. Uh, physio did point out that it's likely some tendon ligament issues. He's unsure whether surgery's been taken, but Tedesco is very much on track for playing in round one. So if anyone's got him in his team, no need to chuck him out just yet. Speaking of uh, the Sharks, uh, we've got the Daily Telegraph here in relation to Michael Ennis coming across from the the Eels uh, into the pathway system there. Now, I did speak about this uh, in relation to Blake Braley and his sin bins. TK, do you think this will see him actually get to the six sin bins this year? <laughs> I was reading what his actual job is. So he's going to be doing a lot of pathways, but I've got no doubt that Fitzy's going to use him to help Brails because... He's probably our greatest ever hooker, right? And he's got a great attacking game. I think Braley also does, but he hasn't... What he's done at the 20s and the lower grades, he hasn't brought into first grade with his running. Great defensive work rate. Great pass out of dummy half. Probably, for me, the best pass out of dummy half in the NRL. But he really does need to pick his running game up if we're going to take it to the next level. And, like, because we're in that top four, but you still... When you compare to Cookie at Souths, you know, you got before Appy at Penrith... Like, they're the top two guns. And then you had Reed Marnie at Paro, so we're just comparing from last year. Three very good dummy half running. So they, that was kind of where the Sharkies lacked compared to those top teams. And Robson, obviously, at the Cowboys as well, excuse me. And I think if we can get Blake into that level, that will take us to the next level as well. So it's important signing. I think it's going to work out really, really well. The guy lives in the area. He's a Sharky through and through. So I love it. I love that he's a Sharky through and through, despite probably having represented about a third of the league. But uh, no, I'm sure he's going to do great work there in the Shire. And looking forward to seeing whether that improves Blake's play this season. And lastly, which is a really sad one, actually, is that Jester Vunga confirmed in a radio interview this week on SEN that he'll be out to round five due to a shoulder reconstruction. And he also had a foot and hernia surgery in the off-season. So swift recovery, Jazz. Hopefully you're back out in the field racking up those stats to make those donations after yeah. the research in New Zealand. Yeah. Robbo, that was one of the... If you want to have a bit of laugh on the next two days, listen to it. Just SEN Jazz Tavada is one of the funniest interviews you'll hear. He just rips into everyone. He There's a part about the WhatsApp group where he says that he's the pest in the group and he just loves giving it to everyone. He's in the rehab and recovery, so apparently he shouts at everyone coming last in all the training drills. So he's a very, very funny man. He F-bombs and he C-bombs and they had to beep it all out. And It's very funny, so check it out. Yeah, he's a real hearty character and uh, from my understanding, he's a, a lovely bloke as well. So yeah, it'd be great to see him back out in the field uh, in the not-too-distant future. So that wraps us up for this week uh, for Around the Traps. Hopefully we haven't taken up too much of your weekend here, but we will be back next Saturday with uh, Wisp and we'll be uh, fully loaded with uh, all three of us in. So TK, mate. Good start for Around the Traps 2023. What's coming up on Talking League in the next week? Yeah, big week next week, Robbo. We've got uh, three previews coming out. Broncos on Monday, Bulldogs with Corbs on Wednesday, and then yourself with the Rabbitohs on the Friday. We'll also drop the audio for how to build your NRL fantasy team Excuse me. on the Tuesday. And Wednesday night, we're going to be starting all our live Q&A. So for the next three weeks, it's going to be 7.30 p.m. New South Wales time. So that will be 6.30 Queensland or 9.30 over in New Zealand. So join us then. At the start, we'll probably do 30 minutes. But if you've got any kind of pressing fantasy questions, get that up and going. And then our new show, it's called Team Triage. And that will start on Monday. So what we'll do is we'll get a couple of punters on and, uh, yeah, we'll break down their teams. They get to be on the show, and me, Riley, and Gussie will be doing that. That's 7.30 on Monday night. So join us for that. We'll drop the audio later in the week. That should be a fun show. 
Yeah, no, really looking forward to seeing Team Trio. John O'Reilly's going to absolutely kill it. He was fantastic uh, on the live this week. And, uh, yeah, so, folks, that's it for now. Uh, hopefully you'll join us on Talking League during the week and then next week for Around the Traps. And also check out the Dual Position podcast for all your super coach needs as well. TK and I signing off here. We'll see you next time.